live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on June 4th to hit the internet on June 5th. How's everybody doing? This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. If you haven't listened before, you're listening for the first time, and you can listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Stitcher, and follow me at BrianBuck13. Uh, I was going to talk about the NBA Finals, but by the time you've listened to this, the first game of the NBA Finals will have already happened. So it's be kind of a moot point, and yeah, well, no one wants to hear me preview finals. They've already seen a first game of, and I practically don't. I really don't want to put it out there. So what I decided to have one of my short little fireside chats with the public. This is where I uh, give you a sneak peek into my brain and uh, let you see what goes on. Uh, very little sometimes. But no, what I was saying with the NBA theme, what I wanted to talk about was uh, Allen Iverson. Now, journalist Kent Babb has a book out called Not a Game, The Incredible Rise and Unthinkable Fall of Allen Iverson. And throughout the past few years, Iverson's struggles with alcohol and gambling and self-sufficiency have been a story. And so what I wanted to do first of all here, before we get into the crux of this, is just read some of the excerpts that excerpts? I can never pronounce that word correctly. If it's excerpts, excerpts. Some of the uh, samples here. Uh, Deadspin has it. Uh, Iverson once threatened his wife, Tawana, that he would pay a man $5,000 to have her killed. He also told Tawana they would pay someone a million dollars to testify in divorce court that he had an affair with her. Skewed numbers. Tawana also accused Allen of numerous instances of spousal abuse, including stepping on her barefoot and grinding his boot heel into it and punching her in the back while laughing out loud. That's a kidney shot, he told her. It's also an absentee father who once left his young kids alone in the hotel room for a whole night to get hammered. He also once told one of his sons, in his words, You ain't no real nigga. You a white boy. You preppy. You rich boy. Uh, he also would never bother to work out and sometimes ate four hot dogs in a row before taking the court. Babe Ruth was immortalized for it. Allen Iverson, apparently not. Uh, and the other thing... Outside of his play on the court, one of the best things he's known for is his practice interview where he uttered the word, I think, 17, 19 times, something like that. Apparently, he was drunk at that. And if you don't remember that, here's a small clip. I think we all remember it, but for some of us, that happened. Take a listen. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come into the arena... Now, personally, I was never an Iverson fan. And it had nothing to do with the tattoos, the cornrows, the baggy clothes, any of that. The jewelry. It wasn't the image that scared me. I was 16 years old. 16? 15 years old? 16, 16, 17 years old when Allen Iverson hit the NBA. But I knew him. I was involved with him before that. I was a UConn fan in the Big East where he played against Georgetown. I didn't like him then. And I still remember Ricky Moore shutting him down. There was a game where he injured his ankle too. But still, I think he only played two, he only played two years at Georgetown. Uh, oh, that 96 team, UConn. That's when they, and they beat them in the Big East uh, finals there with that shot that looked like Ray Allen was walking up an escalator, throwing that shot up there. That Those teams, those UConn teams should have won so much more, those 95, 96 teams. I think they lost to either, I think, Florida and Mississippi State those years. Eric Dampier. On, I think 96 was Mississippi. 
hey, Brian, Allen Iverson, not yesteryear of UConn basketball. That was never my issue with him. Uh, he was just the enemy to begin with. So when he hit the Sixers as the number one pick, and he was compared to, not compared to, but he was said to threaten the crown of Jordan. And I was a Jordan worshiper, as I said on the podcast before. Now I'm going to say something that's going to annoy people. And I'll explain myself, so don't turn off the podcast. But at the time, once he started getting into the years in the NBA, Allen Iverson was a thug. Okay, And there's a reason I say that. It's not just because of his image, the way I looked at him and I saw him. He was a thug. He was arrested for guns, drug possession, casino fights where he threw chips and cards at dealers when he lost. The company he kept was involved in assaults. He was sued for $260,000 for a bodyguard beatdown on a person. Yeah, that wasn't him. It's the company you keep, though. You hang around with people like that. You're going to be associated with that. Multiple spousal abuse issues. And no, I'm not even taking into consideration the bowling alley incident he had as a teenager in Virginia. He was exonerated of that. And frankly, it didn't look like he did anything in the first place. That seemed wrong. Okay? Now, some might say, and I'm not, and, and also the, the accusations in the book, we don't know that. And I'm sure he's going to deny it. But... I'm I'm looking at all of that other information that I just gave to you. That that's how I come to my conclusion. Now the definition of a thug. Now I, I know that means a lot. That that means different things in the past two three years than it did ever before. The thug. A violent person, especially a criminal. Synonyms: ruffian, hooligan, vandal, hoodlum, gangster, villain, criminal. Is Allen Iverson a violent person? There's been accusations of it. Is he a criminal? He's committed crimes. Is he a murderer? No, he's not a murderer. Now, I want to go back to my recollection of when that word started to be coded language, and that's sort of what it's known as in today's society as coded language. My first, what I remember was when Richard Sherman in the NFC playoffs, NFC conference game, NFC championship game, third time's a charm, went off to Aaron Andrews about Michael Crabtree and the world erupted calling him a thug. And social media went wild saying racist things. That's sort of when it all came together for me. Now, I will say that the word thug sometimes does have coded... It is coded language. When it was thrown at Richard Sherman, it totally was because Richard Sherman is not a thug. He is an obnoxious, loudmouth, who sometimes is very funny, but he is the farthest thing from a thug. He's a Stanford man. And you can say Allen Iverson was a Georgetown man, but come on. He was recruited out of prison, whether he was there or not. He wasn't going there for his grades. Richard Sherman caught lots of grief. because He was called a thug. And that's wrong. Okay? There's the, the, I'll admit that. Now, at the time, was Allen Iverson a thug? Yes. I'll say that as a white man from Connecticut in his 30s. At those times, Allen Iverson was a thug. And were there some people saying bad things about him and calling him a thug, not even taking into consideration what I'm saying? Were there some saying based completely on taking the vision test on looks? Absolutely. All right. What he does, the way he dresses, you're not going to appeal to the normal white season ticket holder at an NBA game. That's the way it is. And I know it was Allen's deal to not care to play it straight Tupac and say I don't give a fuck 
That was his thing. I understand that. But you can't be be completely uh, shocked by the backlash you get sometimes. That's all I have to say about that. Well, no, it's not. The podcast going to continue. What do you mean? All I have to say about that. Now, in today's is today's Allen Iverson a thug? No. I look at today's Allen Iverson as a sympathetic figure. I see someone who is an alcoholic, who entire life is just falling apart. Now, I've worked in Department of Correction uh, type facilities before, and I'll tell you, people can change. That's why I say he was a thug. He showed thuggish tendencies. I don't see that anymore. I see a sad person. A leopard can change their spots. I see a sad person who... I never see him in the police blotter. I see him just having issues. He's just sad. He said to his wife in 2012 in divorce proceedings, I don't even have enough money to buy a cheeseburger. And at that time, his wife, Tawana, gave him $61. Uh, There's also the, the rumor... This was never confirmed that he was begging for change outside an Atlanta mall. Now, there it's hard to distinguish. I've done a lot of recent, a lot of research. I've done. Now he had he has blown through all of his money through lots of drinking and gambling, and he for whatever reason finds it soothing. Everyone has their own deal. Soothing to just drink alone at lots of chain restaurants. I remember Vince Young had the same issue, but he, he did it with an entourage. But getting loaded, drinking Louis the Fourteenth shots at the Cheesecake Factory. But Iverson, he he had a deal with Reebok where he had a trust fund where he could touch in two thousand twenty nine, I believe, something or two thousand. A long ways from now, for about $35 million, but he was going to be able to access it $1 million a year. The The latest I read, though, was that he'd lost part of that in the divorce settlement with his wife. It, let's see, in six years, he's eligible to get the pension from the NBA, which would pay him $8,000 a month for 10 years. Some have said that Iverson doesn't have any money. He's broke because... That financial financial information is his business, but he denies those reports and says he's doing just fine. And also that you know you made 150 million dollars and that now you're struggling financially. Is that true? Did that's you? A, that's a that's a myth. It's a that's myth. A, that's a rumor. I mean, one which thing, part? The, the the fact that I'm struggling in any part of my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's 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 what the documentary is for as well. You know. Um, that being courtesy of the CBS Morning uh, last month while Iverson was promoting his documentary on Showtime called Iverson. So that's about all I have today, but I just looking at Alan Iverson, like I said, I, I, I can see through it to say I'm not a fan, but it's a sad story with Alan Iverson. I'm not uh, turning over any stone by saying any of this, but... I think in the case of Allen Iverson, it almost reminds me of the Dave Chappelle skit when keeping it real goes wrong. I think that Allen was who he was. It wasn't an act. But I think he didn't know when to stop. He didn't know when to stop being this this person. This person that wanted to live this life that many young athletes do, many young people do. 
I think that he didn't know when to disassociate himself with people. There were reports that he always paid the tab. Always. I think he, I'm pretty sure, and I don't want to generalize, but I thought I remember reading, this is irresponsible on my part, that he came from not maybe the greatest background in the world. And I think when you get to a certain point like that where you're making millions of dollars, you want to show people to say, hey, mama, I made it and I get it. But you have to, there's a certain point when you have to let that go and and focus on the rest of your life. And Alan never did that. And he's paying the price now. Even though I never liked him as a basketball player. I mean, here we are. We're 12 minutes into it and I haven't even spoken about Alan Iverson, the basketball player. I mean, he he was amazing. He was a little guy. I'm not going to say I wasn't, I, I said I wasn't a fan of him, but I still liked watching him play. A little guy like that that would go to the hoop and would not care. To, imagine a guy like that playing in this NBA. That wasn't even that long ago when Allen Iverson dominated the NBA. <laughs> Just sort of the reckless abandonment going to the hoop. Guys don't do that anymore. Guys don't ever do that. Iverson was a different breed. He was a, he was a guy that dominated the ball. I don't know how if he really made people around him better. He did take a garbage team to the finals. They, yeah, they only won one game, but that, I believe that was the Lakers' only loss in that uh, 2001? I'm not great with years. 2001 NBA Finals, where he stepped over Tyron Lue, and the world thought it was funny because Iverson's that man. And Tyron Lue's about to be a head coach next year, and Allen Iverson's struggling to survive. I feel like it is a case of keeping it real goes wrong. Uh, I wish Alan the best. I know he doesn't listen to the podcast, but Godspeed and uh, hope he does better because it is a sad a American tale. That's all I got for this week. It's a short one. Like I said, you can listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube. You can follow me at BrianBuck13. Send me an email if you want to at redticketblues.com at gmail.com. Dot com times two. And everyone, I'm out of here.